Today, we talk about alien space invaders, talking to your sporting equipment, America's crazy uncle, and a shady rodent, all on our way to answering the question, what movie are we in? Welcome to the Sky Pilot Podcast that explores questions of faith, spirituality, and religion. I'm Dan Matthews, and I don't have all the answers, but I do enjoy the questions. Welcome to the podcast where every question is an invitation into a spiritual quest, and you're invited along for the journey. On the 4th of July, my wife and I happened to be in Washington, D.C., and because of coronavirus, we couldn't safely go observe the public 4th of July festivities that we used to enjoy when we lived there years ago. So we decided to celebrate by watching a movie, Independence Day, starring Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum. Now, if you've seen it, then you know it's a thrilling movie in which the Earth is being invaded by aliens who are bent on bringing about the extinction of humanity. It is intense, and I guess could be overwhelming, except for one thing. Will Smith may be the coolest person currently acting in movies. He's such a strong personality that as long as he's in the movie, you know everything's going to be okay. In this film, he's a military fighter pilot who happens to be able to know how to fly a Huey helicopter also, and when it's necessary, alien spacecraft. And when he steals a helicopter to go find his girlfriend in a world of ruin and rubble that has no communication, he sets the chopper down right beside her. But none of this detracts from the movie. And you know why? Because he's Will Smith. I'll be honest, if I was at an airport and one day saw Will Smith climb out of the cockpit of a jet only to turn around and fly off in a helicopter, I wouldn't blink twice. After all, he's Will Smith. He is America's movie hero. As I'm sitting here recording this podcast for you, I'm looking at a small children's volleyball, which my two-year-old granddaughter keeps bringing into our room. She's brought it in so frequently that we've given up putting it away anymore. It's become a permanent companion for my wife and me. Looking at that volleyball reminds me of another iconic actor, but in a very different way. He's become nicknamed America's Dad. He was, as far as I recall, one of the first famous Americans who was known to have contracted coronavirus. And he is, of course, you've probably guessed it by this time, Tom Hanks. He has a number of popular films. The most famous and the biggest box office hit is Forrest Gump. If Will Smith makes me feel like everything's going to be okay because he is seemingly invincible in a superhero sort of way, then Tom Hanks makes me feel like everything's going to be okay because he seems to be the embodiment of patience, kindness, and honesty. Not only that, it seems that everyone who's ever worked with him describes him as the very quintessence of these characteristics in real life, which is kind of nice to know that he's as nice a guy as he seems to be. If you rank his movies by ticket sales and put aside the animated Toy Story series, because I would put those in a different category, the next most popular movie of his is Saving Private Ryan. And then the third comes in order is Castaway. 
Castaway is the movie in which he's a FedEx efficiency expert whose plane crashes at sea and he's washed up on a deserted island where he's stranded for four years before finally getting rescued. This movie is famous for starring, of course, Tom Hanks, and remember my being reminded of him by my granddaughter's volleyball? This movie is also the only movie ever where second billing should probably go to a volleyball. His only companion on the island is a volleyball upon which he has drawn a face and who he calls Wilson because, because well, it was manufactured by Wilson Sporting Goods. These two movies and two stars seem to be so connected for me right now. As our world undergoes the problems associated with the spreading of a pandemic, it feels as if we're caught between the plot of these two movies. We are being attacked by this strange and yet not fully understood force called coronavirus, and that feels a bit like Independence Day. And we're also, at least many of us are, caught in this perpetual isolation, like the movie Castaway. So I find myself often wondering which movie analogy should I choose. Do I turn to a fight response, like Independence Day? Or do I go into survival mode, which I'm afraid means I will eventually start talking to the volleyball in our room? As I pondered these questions for several weeks, I recently realized that I may be working with the wrong movies. Perhaps there's another choice that offers me an alternative between choosing battle or survival mode. So at this point, I turn to yet a third iconic actor. If Will Smith is America's hero and Tom Hanks is America's dad, then this next actor is America's crazy eccentric uncle. He's the guy who you would not trust him with watching the children, but he sure is fun at the family reunions. And the actor is, of course, Bill Murray. Perhaps his most famous role in all the movies he's done is in the movie Caddyshack. But the best movie he's ever starred in, as far as I'm concerned, is hands down Groundhog Day. He stars opposite Andy McDowell, who's another favorite of mine, particularly in this movie. And if I were to meet her, I would think I would expect her to be very much of that same persona that I've described, Tom Hanks. Honest, decent, without a deceptive bone in her body. And that certainly describes her character in this movie. In Groundhog Day, Bill Murray plays a jaded, unhappy, and frankly, unpleasantly selfish weatherman named Phil Connors. He's sent as a part of a television crew to Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, to cover the annual Groundhog Day Festival, where they see if spring will come early by determining if a Groundhog Day will see, Groundhog will see its shadow. And that last bit of explanation would never have seemed strange to me before podcasting and having listeners in other countries. And suddenly, I'm aware of the likelihood of my explanation of Groundhog Day causing people in other nations to say, wait. What? For those of you in other places, you may just have to look this one up. After the festival, they are snowed in by a storm and trapped in Punxsutawney. But the reality is that Phil Connors is not just trapped geographically, 
but something has happened that has trapped him in time as well. He is destined to live Groundhog Day over again and again. Every day, he goes to sleep at the end of the day, only to have his alarm go off in the morning and discover that he's living the same day over and over and over. The same song awakens him on the radio. The DJ says the same thing. Everybody is again preparing for the festival just as they did the day before, except this isn't the next day. It's simply the same day being replayed. No one else in the town is aware of being caught in this never-ending temporal loop. Just him. Interestingly, a little side trivia for you, Bill Murray was not the actor originally cast for this role. The role was originally to go to none other than wait for it, Tom Hanks. After the movie had been made, Tom Hanks watched it in the theater and said to Harold Ramis, who's both the director and one of the writers, Tom Hanks jokingly said to him, audiences would have been sitting there waiting for me to become nice because I always play nice. But Bill's such a miserable SOB on and off the screen, you didn't know what was going to happen. In this movie, Phil Connors is stuck living the same day over and over again for 10 years. Okay, for those of you who are huge fans of this movie, you can accurately challenge me on the last statement. Wait a minute, Dan, 10 years? Nowhere in the movie does it let on how much time has passed. Well, back to Harold Ramis, writer and director. He said the original script intended the time period to be a thousand years. But the script changed sometime before production to be 10 years. So the movie didn't reveal this, but the writer-director did. Interestingly, as Harold Ramis later said, they based Phil Connors' response to this difficult situation on the five stages of grief as outlined in Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's book On Death and Dying. The stages are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And it's a misnomer that people always go through the stages in order. But in this movie, that's pretty much exactly what happens. At first, he believes that the problem's with everybody else. He denies it, and that's the first stage. Then he gets angry and takes it out on others, and that's the second stage. His bargaining is seen mostly in the fact that he sees this as an opportunity to be even more of a horrible person. The idea being that somewhere within him, he believes that if he is bad enough, he will break whatever the rules are of this strange game in which he is trapped, and he will consequently be released. It's not the way bargaining is typically displayed, but it's very true to Phil Connor's temperament. So the third stage is covered. He then becomes depressed, which is, of course, the fourth stage. And ultimately, he's so depressed that when he attempts suicide multiple times, he discovers that after each attempt, he doesn't die. He only wakes up the next morning in the same bed to relive Groundhog Day once again. Finally, he comes to the fifth stage, acceptance. If this is his life, however strange it is, then he will live it as it is. And he begins to try to improve himself, to improve the community in which he lives. 
He may be stuck in the same day again and again, but he tries to save a homeless man. He catches a boy falling out of a tree. He does the Heimlich on a man who's choking, and he starts taking piano lessons. And he does these things again and again every day. As he comes to accept, this is his existence now. Every day, he shows up at the piano teacher's house and asks to start taking lessons because she, of course, doesn't remember him from the day before. But by the end of the movie, we discover that he's learned how to play jazz piano really well. After all, it's been 10 years of lessons. Eventually, the cycle is broken when he falls in love with his co-star in the movie, Andy McDowell. And more importantly, she falls in love with him. Interestingly, there is no mention of God that I can recall in this entire movie, but God is implied throughout the movie. Phil Connors is a miserable human being at the beginning, and some thoughtful force in the universe has chosen for him to relive the same day over and over until he learns his way out. I don't know what else to call a thoughtful, omnipotent force other than God. I think all of us can, right now, because of the pandemic, relate to Phil Connors' predicament. I know that I awaken every morning feeling like I am reliving the same day over and over. I have no place to go. The things that I do during the week are pretty much the same as every other week. Even the news seems to be a repeat of the day before. It's become difficult for me to tell one day of the week from the next. What I keep coming back to in the movie is his response to this bad situation, to a horrible situation. Phil Connors is as alone as anyone can be. He will awaken in the morning with memories of all that has transpired but no one else will remember. That's worse than being truly isolated in the movie Castaways. At least in Castaways, Tom Hanks' character knows he's alone. Groundhog Day is like starving while you watch through one-way glass a group of people fix Thanksgiving dinner. You cannot have that which you desperately need, and in this case, it's relationship. And yet you're forced to almost experience it every day, again and again. What is helpful for me is that at some point, after going through all the stages of grief, Phil Connors changes. And it's not that he says, you know what? This is really a good situation I'm in. Instead, he realizes, this is the life I currently have. I can fight which is the approach of Independence Day. And certainly many of us have decided to take that approach given the number of disturbing confrontational videos on the internet. We can become the isolated survivalist, which is demanded by the situation in Castaway, or we can do something different. We can ask ourselves the question that ultimately dawned on Phil Connors. What's the opportunity in this moment? I will not fight. I have chosen not to despair. I will not start talking to the sporting equipment. I will take this moment of life and look for the opportunity. 
I'm convinced that in this moment of my life, God's present for me. God's present for you. God's present for all of us. And in my situation, and maybe yours too, I, I'll be honest with you. I will also say that there are times in my frustration that I want to throw a tantrum. And yet I believe God's there saying, I get it. It makes sense that you want to throw a tantrum. I'm sure God's looking at me and saying, look, I get that you're frustrated. But if you wallow in your frustration, how does that change the moment? Instead, what are you going to do with this moment? In this strange period of time in which we live, I have set my focus on several horizons for myself. Spiritual, podcasting, guitar. I'll use guitar as an example. I play the guitar and have for years. I'm not great. I consider myself more of a camp-style song leader than a musician, but I really enjoy it. And when the coronavirus shutdown started, I hadn't played in months, so I decided to learn to pick some of the bluegrass songs that I love. I'm currently working on the song Tennessee Flattop Box, written by Johnny Cash, and my favorite version is sung by his daughter, Roseanne Cash. I've played it more times than I can count, and I still haven't mastered it. And I've made a goal to play daily during this time, which is a resolution that I break every single week. But I keep coming back, and when I become frustrated, when I remind myself about Being frustrated, I think about the fact that it's not about mastery, but simply advancement. I will not master guitar playing during this time, not even close. But I desperately need to remind myself that anything I do in that area, it's something I hadn't done before. If I seek mastery, I am destined to be lost in despair. But if I will instead see each prayer I say as a moment of spiritual advancement, each podcast I publish is a moment of advancement. Each time I play the guitar, I get a little better and it's a moment of advancement. I'm not a person who usually organizes my life with lists, but in times of having more to do than I can emotionally handle, I often begin by making a list of the things I need to get done. But more importantly, I start the list with several things I've already achieved. So I have something on the list that I can check off immediately. It's a way of giving myself some positive momentum in an overwhelming situation. In this time of feeling frustrated, if you are, I'm saying cut yourself a break. Give yourself credit for all the things you're already doing. Instead of looking for all the things you should be getting accomplished, give yourself credit. Then, let go of having some life-changing resolution in which you will master the game of chess. It's too much pressure. Mastery is not the goal. It's too much of a burden. But advancement, that's done in little steps. And anything you do when advancement is the goal is a win. Let go of the pressure to make this a life-changing time.
Advancement is the new low-pressure term for healthy growth. That's all for today. On your spiritual journey, may you ask questions, seek answers, and boldly go wherever the quest takes you. I'd love to hear from you and encourage you to send me an email with your thoughts about this or any episode of the podcast. I also invite you to follow me on Twitter. Just remember that both are SkyPilot with three T's. That's S-K-Y-P-I-L-O-T-T-T. My email is skypilot at gmail.com. My Twitter handle is at SkyPilot. Thanks for listening to SkyPilot FaithQuest. I invite you to send me a question or leave a review. And remember, the sign of a strong faith, solid religion, or healthy spiritual journey is not certainty, but that you keep asking questions.